This is the TSN MMA Show with Aaron Bronstetter and Bazooka Joe Valtellini. Welcome to another edition of the TSN MMA Show. I'm your host, Aaron Bronstetter, joined as I am each week by the former Glory welterweight champion, the voice of Glory, the owner of Bazooka Kickbox, the owner of BazookaFitness.com. BazookaTraining.com. BazookaTraining.com, BazookaFitness.com is something else. Don't go to that website. They might no, steal don't go to that account. one. Yeah. yeah. But you're still doing some fitness through martial arts, so it still works. Yeah. But go to BazookaTraining.com. BazookaTraining.com. Do you still have the promo code going? Uh, we have one going now, 20, 25% off your first month. So Bazooka25 will get you 25% off your first month, and you get a seven-day trial. So it's good. I think we calculated it. I put out four videos a week. A home workout, a bag workout, a tutorial, and sparring drills. So you get four workouts and different training videos a week. Plus, you get two on YouTube, and it basically costs you like not even 60 cents a workout. So get your damn selves over to bazookatraining.com. That's cheaper than my, uh, it's cheaper than uh, a gym membership, that's for sure. Unless yeah. you want, but I wouldn't discourage you from getting a membership at Bazooka Kickboxing. I mean, you want yes, that both. too. That's just yeah, of course, icing on of the course. cake. You need both. You need both. I, I basically say it's my training. You get the everything you learn, but then there's homework. You got to go home. You got to study. You got to watch. You got to listen. So you always have homework to do. So bazookatraining.com. Boom. Well, you Good. you are uh, also the voice of glory and a, a former glory uh, fighter. Did did pretty well this past weekend. Israel Adesanya, yeah. UFC 263 main event. Israel retains the uh, middleweight title. And man, he answered a lot of questions that I had. Yeah, I remember you you going into this. It was surprising because you, uh, I think you had Vittori well, making I a little upset, so right? Let me, let me just be clear. I didn't pick Vittori outright. I said that uh, I thought there was a lot of value on him to win by decision at to plus win. 400. I figured the fight would go the distance. And uh, I thought that if he was able to take him down in open space, which he did in the first round successfully. He did, yeah. he did. Um, you know, And I thought that even though he lost that round, I was like, okay, well, the, things can turn pretty quickly if he's able to do that with consistency. But he wasn't. And, uh, yeah. man, Israel looked great. Yeah, I just remember when he got that open takedown. I was like, "Damn, Aaron! Aaron called it perfectly." I was like, "You, you saw something." I was, I was actually that first round. I thought about you because I was actually really surprised. I was like, "But once I saw Izzy get up and the way he controlled things, I knew he would have been okay." But uh, I just didn't see. Like, I mean, even talking to my dad. My dad loves it, and again, I'll, I'll mention it now. But my dad, every time someone loses to low kicks, he wants me to reach out to them. So Martin Vittori, my dad wants me to reach out to you personally. The Italian connection. He says you need some of my help for the low kick. So, Vittori, the, the invite is there for you. Well, but, you're close uh, with Kelvin. Just send Kelvin a message and say you want to talk to Marvin. They're yeah, that's it. Partners. We need some Italian pride together to, to get those low kicks. So that's what my dad thinks for him. But I didn't see the passion. I didn't see the – where that's your world title on the line, you know. And, and I see Cordero in the corner yelling at him like I didn't see that little spark of fire. Yeah, you're maybe getting hit. You're outclassed. But show me that uh, – Show me the Italian stallion in there, you yeah, know? It just didn't and I seem didn't like, it. It didn't seem like Coach Cordero was getting through to him. It, like, it no. seemed like there was no sense of urgency at the end of that fight. And, and if he actually thought he won that fight, I mean, like, that's kind of delusional. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I just, if you're going to lose that fight, I mean, just go. This is a world title fight. I didn't see that. I don't know. I mean, I thought it was going to be a barn burner where, I mean, go out on your shield. I thought he had the big talk about it, but uh, I think both of them, uh, I would say both of them almost played it safe, right? I mean, I don't think Vittori wanted to get overly banged up, and Izzy kind of coasted and, and didn't really commit to anything to get the finish, but dominant, uh, to say the least. Yeah, absolutely, and uh, I think that Israel showed that, hey, I mean, he might have lost to Jan, but at middleweight, it's going to be a lot more difficult to do what Jan did to him than uh, 
people thought. I mean, uh, I thought, again, Vittori had little bits of success in that fight, but uh, nowhere near enough to be able to beat Israel. Yeah, I, I, I still, like I said, I'm, I'm a, um, a true performance and a true act of martial arts is getting a knockdown, some finishes. I thought Izzy could have got one. Um, I would have liked to have seen it. I think a little bit more relentless attack into the leg. I think that leg could have been done if Izzy maybe would have done a few more combinations to kind of chop down, finish on the calf a little bit more. But uh, like I said, good win, dominant, um, all scorecards. But to me, um, as a high-level striker he was, the distance control he had, um, I would have liked to have seen him bang up and do some more damage, maybe some good knockdowns. And I thought a finish uh, could have been easy for him with a little bit of commitment. Well, that's easier said than done. Vittori, I don't think, has ever been finished, if you look at his, his record. He, but it's the uh, leg, you know? I don't, yeah, no matter how tough losses. your chin is, the calf is there, you know? The calf was two, three shots away. I mean, I, yeah, I've noticed it. that a lot with, with people that are very close to finishing their opponents with leg kicks. They, they've, for some reason, stopped. Maybe it hurts them. I mean, I'm sure that it doesn't feel great to, even to land leg kicks. It probably hurts. Well, I created a video on YouTube on my channel that says that I think it's the six things that really piss me off when I watch fights. And I say really piss me off, and that's one of them. Like, and when you're one kick away from a finish, why are you headhunting and swinging a million punches for a five-minute round, you know? Like, get back to the leg. The leg is so valuable. Like, me being a leg kick finisher, it drives me nuts. All of my fights have either won – Finished by low kicks where the guy couldn't stand up anymore. Or two, their leg was so hurt, I used it to finish to the head. So, I mean, there's got to be more urgency to the leg. And I think once guys realize that, I mean, it's just, it's over. You just It's there. It's just literally two strikes away. Finish it. Yeah, but uh, for whatever reason, there's there's hesitancy, it seems. And I think that that is uh, a problem for yeah, a lot not, of these guys. They're not training with Bazooka Joe. They're not watching <laughs> and, and getting inspired by guys like Liam Harrison, you know. Old school Jose Aldo, Ernesto Hoos. Let's watch watch some of the old school low kickers and see how much damage those things can do. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I think that for whatever reason, that people don't put as much stock into it. And even though we've seen situations where, like look at Poirier versus McGregor, and that's coming up again, the rematch in three weeks, which is pretty unbelievable that that's going to be so soon. But yeah, yeah I'm, I'm looking forward to that one as well. I, I, I just... Uh, I was just surprised that Vittori just had nothing for him, it seemed. You know, like, he, he landed the takedown, but it wasn't enough. But, I mean, back to the leg kick talking, and, and we'll kind of jump maybe to this fight, but Leon Edwards smacking up Nate Diaz's calf. He could have probably finished his Nate's calf 100%. Easily. He stopped throwing leg kicks. Like exactly he, he my point. He stopped throwing leg kicks in, like, know? four rounds, four and five. Why? Exactly my point. You know, that's, that's my biggest frustration when watching it. Every fight is now impacted by calf kicks. Every fight, in some way, it's like the jab now. Every fight has some sort of calf kick implication, problem, going for it. Like So now, like, guys just have to get to that finishing ability. I mean, it's literally – it, you can see how frustrated I am, but that was an easy fight. And what would have happened? He would have avoided that last minute now that everyone keeps talking about Diaz if he would have finished that leg earlier. That was the most Leon Edwards fight ever. Like, yeah. You, yeah. you've got a guy who dominates 24 minutes of a 25-minute fight, and then in the last minute, his opponent has some success on him, and yeah. nobody's talking about him again. Like, Leon yeah. Edwards is the invisible man in this sport. It's tragic to see. He should actually own it. He should just yeah. he should make that his gimmick, where yeah. people... Yeah. Where he where he talks about you know Rodney Dangerfield no respect what about what about Leon Edwards be loud talk about it because nobody talks about Leon Edwards and it's for this reason it's because he's so good but he doesn't <laughs> do anything special 
Yeah, I mean, it, it's so unfortunate, but uh, and it sucks that the narrative is all Nate Diaz and that he's getting uh, pushed under again. But I don't know. I think uh, I think the Dana White and the matchmakers there. I think they know. I think they know. But I I just think what this does for Leon Edwards is he probably doesn't get the next title shot, but he's got to be the one after that, right? He's well, got to be. Do they give him another away. opponent? Does he have to beat somebody again? Who knows? Like the 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 promotion rolls. It's a train, right? So. I don't know. I just how much money do you think Nate Diaz made up off that last minute of that fight, though? Like, yeah. basically, he, if he wouldn't have had that last minute of the fight, he basically would have just essentially been known as like that as getting totally dominated fifty forty fives across the board against Leon Edwards. Instead, that one minute of success at the end of the fight buys Nate Diaz another huge fight for big money. Yeah, they would have been. It would have been retirement talk. Is yeah. Nate done? Should Nate be finished? He's moved back Should down to lightweight. Terrible. Yeah. Yep. And now everybody's talking about him versus Connor, the third fight with Connor. Like that's yeah. that's the real talk now. Yeah, I actually seen a few um, pop up on my Instagram. You know how there's that explore page. That, um, a lot of banners I saw was Nate Diaz versus Tony Ferguson. That's the fight. That's the fight yeah. to make. Yeah, that's make what it I keep 170 pounds. Him versus yeah. Ferguson. Yeah, it has to be. You know, like I saw the picture that they promoted. Both bloody. Both same type of. Uh, fights lately kind of getting outclassed but you know showing that heart and determination so i when i saw that i was like yeah i 100 percent agree yeah, that's or you the make perfect the jorge rematch. fight the jorge rematch is another option i think yeah or would it with the the jorge rematch kind of uh not rematch but what about him with leon edwards as the next bout and then Who, maybe leon that could be yeah well i mean th- that would be a fun fight to make but what happens if leon loses that fight it's like then then what ha- you know yeah I, I don't mean, think he does, but I mean... I, you know, neither do I, but I mean, if he does, what happens to the welterweight division, right? Like, who, who would you have... Like, let's say, let's say again, this is all hypothetical, because Colby very well could end up winning that fight against Usman. I think Colby is for sure the most difficult challenger in front of Usman, even though they fought already. But if for whatever reason, Colby ends up winning... or Col- uh, Sorry, Usman ends up beating Colby, and then you have Leon Edwards and Jorge, and Jorge beats Leon Edwards, you got nobody to challenge for that title. Except for Wonder yeah. Boy again, but then Wonder Boy is against Burns, right? There's always going to be a challenger at the yeah. end of the day. But right now, Leon's on such a hot streak that you almost have to, um, like you said, I feel like you almost have to protect him and, and have him fight the winner of Colby and uh, and Usman. Yeah. So like, because I mean, if say Wonder Boy and Burns, the fight that's next, if one of them has a spectacular performance, you would have to think they would possibly be next. Maybe. I mean, I don't think you give Burns a title fight again this soon, but. Uh, I mean, you, here's the thing. If Leon is going to be next in line, you know what's going to happen in Colby versus Usman. It's going to be like a war, and Colby's going to win like a controversial decision so that Leon like can't get the shot. Like That's, yeah. that's like the kind of luck that Leon Edwards has in this promotion. Yeah, but uh, I would like to see Wonder Boy still fight for a title. I think he would still present Kamaru some problems. So maybe if he beats Burns, he could be a, 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 a maybe one in talks at least for a title. Wonder Boy versus Usman, I think, is an interesting matchup. I said that right when Usman became champion. I said I think that the weirdest, like the 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 toughest matchup for him stylistically would be Wonder Boy. But now, yeah. having seen the improvements of Usman, I think he'd handle Wonder Boy. I, I don't think it would be much of a threat. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's still like yes, the improvements on the feet have improved, but Wonder Boy's been striking since he was born. He came out of his mom with distance control, basically. You know, <laughs> like that guy's. I mean. Yeah, Kumaro's better, but I don't think he can close that distance still. I mean, it, it's just that special mar- old-school martial arts. So, I mean, that's almost like the the tough matchup. Like I, I said, always with Izzy, there's only 
two types of fighter that can beat Adesanya. You have to be a fantastic striker or a fantastic top-of-the-line grappler. And I almost think the same is true for Kamaro. You have to be either that spectacular, spectacular striker, or, I mean, maybe Wonder Boy in his 30s, maybe Wonder Boy now just is maybe a little bit older, but or you need to be a better wrestler than Kamaro, which is going to be very difficult. So, I mean, there's only a few uh, bits that can beat that guy, and if Wonder Boy's the best striker, I mean, that's one of the only little things that I can see that can beat Kamaru. Yeah, I mean, I think we're just reaching at this point. Like, we're we're trying to figure out who can beat Kamaru. And I yeah, don't know basically, yeah. I mean, it's just. Reaching. I mean, it's, the, it's just we haven't seen it's it. It's the yet, very right? small on the spectrum. Like, it needs a Khabib of a welterweight Khabib, or it needs like a a welterweight Bazooka Joe. That's what I'm trying to say. Mm-hmm. That's what it needs. Yeah, we'll take so those types defense. of things. It would take down defense. Yeah, which is pretty good. <laughs> pretty good. Yeah. So, but yeah, I mean, that's that's definitely what. Uh, I see, but I'm uh, I'm riding the Kamara. I like uh, I like his stuff. Being a champion and continually improving, finding ways to get better, and that's why he's so good. Well, we kind of glossed over the co-main event, which we really shouldn't do because Brandon Moreno just blew the doors off of Davis and Figueredo. And uh, if you would have told me Moreno was going to win the fight, I wouldn't have guessed it would be like this. I mean, that was I I gave Figueredo the second round, even though and most people think that I'm an idiot for doing that. But if we're grading on damage, all Moreno really did in the second round was take Davison down. Hold him there, and Davison landing from bottom. And you've got to give people points for landing from bottom. I, I truly believe that. If, that if, if the guy on top is not doing any damage and is just kind of laying there, and the person on bottom is landing elbow strikes to the head, they're getting the points, not the person that has top control. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's a fight. Like you're just sitting there and resting where someone's trying to win. So I kind of uh, I agree with that point. But I just like it's what point, Moreno's about. Now, but. Yeah, but I love Moreno, man. I just think he's gotten so many fans with his real personality i think he's different than what we've seen and different from other champions so i think we got a unique uh, character for sure yeah and i mean hey davison can make weight at 125 but when you I, I i believe that if you're one of these guys that cuts way too much weight for your division you're basically fighting twice in a weekend you're fighting yourself to make that weight and then you have to fight an opponent and some for some people they've told me that the weight cut is more difficult for them than the fight they like they would prefer to to you know to do the, to have the fight and then to have the weight cut. They think that the weight cut's tougher on them mentally, which is unbelievable, yeah. right? And I think that that's what happens with Davison. Is the 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 way the weight cut sucks the life out of him. He weighed in with like one minute left on the timer in the weigh-in window, makes makes the weight, but it must have been a dreadful weight cut. And uh, I I just think it sucks the life out of these guys. And I I think that Davison needs to move up. I don't think that he should fight at flyweight again if if that's what's going to happen. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I I read this uh, post here. I'm gonna I'll read it here. It says Figueredo cuts 18 percent of his body weight. That is, this is literally the equivalent of cutting off your own leg. Someone wrote, but he goes, he walks around at 165 pounds. He gets down to 152 pounds during camp and cuts to 125. So he's cutting. He's already with a six pack, cutting 18 percent of his body weight. Yeah. It's insane. It's not, it's insane. not healthy. And I mean, he's like 32 or 33 now also. It's like, it, there's no reason to do it. There's no reason to do it. And um, I just, I would like to see him at bantamweight. I think there's a lot of good matchups for him at bantamweight. I think he matches up favorably with a lot of guys at bantamweight. But then the question is, what do you do at flyweight? Because right now, it looks like they're booking Askar Askarov against Alex Perez, right? So I think they're going to give Brandon Moreno a little bit of a rest. And then the winner of that fight will face Moreno. But... Uh, unless they're thinking of doing a trilogy fight, but I don't think you do a trilogy mm-hmm. fight at this point in time. I think that that win was such an exclamation point that yeah, you, you kind of go back to the drawing board and find a new challenger. And I think Askar Askarov, with him and Moreno having a draw previously, give them a five-round fight, I think it's an interesting one. 
Yeah, and I mean, I, I've heard a, a few people mention that, but they're saying Askarov just from a from a company publicity point, you know, it just just doesn't have that uh, the the steam behind him to kind of push a pay per view. But I mean, the draw itself, I think, speaks for itself. You're not a fan of the first deaf champion in UFC history, Joe? Is that what you're trying to say? The first deaf champion? Yeah, Askar Askarov is deaf. He was in the Deaf Olympics. Uh, oh, the deaf. I thought you said dead. No, dead, well, dead champion we don't want. I was we like, don't what's want the first deaf champion? champion. In the UFC. I, was like, I was like, what, he killed someone? No. Because he was using, like, full, like, you know, murder fighting, like, to the death? No, or? no, he was not in any sort of, uh, any sort of uh, combat league like that, you know, fortunately for whoever would have faced him. But so he's, hard he's of hearing. Dead. Hard of he's hearing, hard yes. of, yeah. yeah. Oh, and, and, like, fully? I believe so. I, I'm going to look, I'm gonna look it up. But, uh, yeah, a lot of people don't know that about Askar Askarov. He's not really a oh. household name. But, uh, yeah, he was in the, uh, the Deaf Olympics, and um, he's hard of hearing. The, um, the other, uh, Matt Hamill, right? Matt, Matt Hamill, Hamill right. was one of the... Matt, Matt Hamill could was, hear slightly, right? No, Matt Hamill was one hundred percent. He was full. I, I think and, that I think that Askar is hard of hearing, but I don't. I, I think he does have some hearing, if I'm not mistaken. Regardless, he's probably not hearing anything from his corner, right? No. So it's probably a lot of communication and and eye contact, and then you get in the instructions through the round, and maybe that's probably what made him such a fantastic fighter of him having to really like rely on himself in the ring, right? And you also have you one less sense to worry about, right? Like if you. If you don't have hearing, you can focus so much more on your other senses. And I'm sure that if you're if you're fighting and you hear people yelling weird stuff from the crowd, it can probably throw you. I'd imagine. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, your your corner, like you've learned to block out the crowd. Like I don't hear the crowd at all, but you would hear your corner. You know, like so corner instruction is very valuable, right? They're seeing things that you can't see in there. So I mean, to have your corner, I would think would be more of an advantage than not hearing the crowd. Yeah, yeah, I would say so. I, I, I think that, uh, and I just think that his wrestling is so good that he can use that against just about anybody, and uh, and have success. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see how how that goes. I think that uh, he's going to be a real challenge for Moreno. I, the, what he did against Benavidez really impressed me. But uh, we have a new champion, the first Mexican-born champion in UFC history. I think it's going to be massive for that market. I know they've invested a lot in Mexico. They're trying to build like a performance institute there, and they really want to grow that market and i think moreno is the perfect guy to do it he's just so likable yeah yeah i mean it's just he's real he's himself the smiles the i don't know it's just i i you get a genuine feeling off of him but uh what else i didn't like against with figueredo's push like we just saw what happens when you're pushing someone in a, yeah. in a way in like why like was there really that much beef you had to push moreno in the beginning of the fight like come it's on man like and the look on moreno's face afterwards was like come on man aren't we above this and we just saw what happened. There's got to be something that we stopped that stuff. Man. Well, like, apparently before the uh, ceremonial weigh-ins, Lauren Murphy tweeted that the UFC told all the fighters that if any fighter lays hands on another fighter at stare-downs, they're going to be suspended, fined, and pulled up from the card. So I think that they're going to start implementing that kind of a, of a system because it's just not – like, we got to stop this. Yeah, like, I mean, he's not prepared for the push. His neck isn't tense. He's going he's gonna to get whiplash, and then what? You lose yeah, all your lose money, your fight. fight. Yeah. And it's not even like, I don't know, like, was there beef? What what he said something in the in the press conference that you can't knock me out. You said you're going to knock me out last time. And that's enough for you to get in his face and push him like that or something stupid. Like, come on. I don't know. I don't like it like that. I mean, if there's beef and there's tension and it's real and you're not trying to find something to create tension, okay, yeah. Someone said, yeah, you said something about my mom. Yeah, I'm going to push you in the way in. That's fine. But if, if it's something stupid and to build the sport, why? doesn't it's not part of it yeah i'm with you on that um 
Bilal Muhammad beats Demian Maya uh, by unanimous decision. And I, Dana White basically said Demian Maya is done in the UFC, but I don't see why. Like, I think if you put... Demian Maya hasn't taken that much damage in his career. And if you put him against lower-level, unranked 170-pounders, you could either build someone up, or you can just show that Demian Maya's jiu-jitsu is so good that he can beat, like, guys that are not ranked. In the, I, I still think he can beat a lot of guys in the UFC. This isn't the guy that relies on striking. This is going to get into wars with people. This is a guy that relies on his grappling, and if he can get into grappling exchanges with just about anybody at 170 pounds, he can still win fights. Do you agree? No, I agree, and I think him being such a great specialist, and it's like he goes for it, and he's so good at it. He relies on it, and I mean, if these guys in in, in now of a generation of basically you're boxing and you're wrestling a lot, guys don't have the jujitsu anymore. So he's probably like he's attacking from so many different positions, and so I mean, I think him being a jujitsu specialist, where jujitsu is a sport based on not having to be a big person like jujitsu is made for this type of situation being like undersized under physical under strength and to do well so him being a specialist i think it just helps him and anytime he grabs you you're in trouble so i just don't like the age being a factor now i mean if you take shots but did he really take that much damage where he couldn't do it again not really you know so i mean i, I like i like what he brings but i mean i think it's a new generation and a, and a different time now yeah, and I think that uh, I still think though that he can beat a lot of guys. I, I'm I'm time. I'm not sold on uh, on him not being able to do that. I think that he certainly could. Um, all right, what else do we got? We got the main card: Paul Craig defeating Jamal Hill, technical submission, armbar, uh, and Jamal Hill's arm was just dangling there for like 20 seconds. Where I, I'm at home yelling, "Stop the fight!" You know, like yeah, do yeah. you ever yell at your TV during these fights when when these situations happen? Uh, not really much with that armbar, but usually with the punches to the head. Yeah. Yeah, usually with the punches so to the head. So you were the, yelling? You didn't see his arm not dangling on this there? One. I did see it dangling, but I don't know. I, I was going to even ask you. I thought about this. I did not think it was as crazy as people thought. Like, you know, like it sucked to see, but like, I don't know. I, I, I When I looked at it and I watched the replay again, I'm like, I get what people are freaking out about, but I didn't think it was that bad, you know? I didn't it, think it was – it was really yeah. bad, Joe. I don't know what you're talking about here. But, like, dangling versus, like, it looked like maybe he was trying to escape or pull his arm out. Or, I mean, it wasn't pleasant to look at, but I don't know if it was, like, uh, as bad as, I don't know, that you guys and everyone are making it seem. I don't know. Maybe I'm a little bit They're less. Using this uh, regional referee, and this is another problem that these commissions, they, they, they have access to good referees and good judges. But they want, for whatever reason, they want to reward their local guy. Oh, this is our guy. This is Al Guiney. He's our guy. We got to let him have fights on main cards of UFC events because he's been doing so many events for us here in Arizona, and we really got to. No, you got Mark Goddard in the building. You got Herb Dean in the building. You got, yeah. I think, Jason Herzog is there. like you've got the best refs available to you. Why are you yeah. going to let a guy who doesn't have the experience on the highest level referee your fights? When you have better options right there in the building, it makes no sense whatsoever. Have him be a ring, have him be a cage side official. You don't need to have him in the cage. Yeah, I mean the the, the big criticism it always is the refereeing with the commission, but and the like, judges and the judges. But I mean, the problem is like when you almost have like these guys are basically UFC referees, even though they're not. I mean that's kind of what you need, but I I don't think the the fight promotions want to take responsibilities of having referees. You know, like under them, but it's almost like there should be a side of the UFC that has like a schooling. You know, like why not? Like I mean, where you well, produce all these guys and create, have to do training. You know? All these guys have to do schooling. 
And I'm yeah. sure Al Guiney has refereed a ton of regional shows, and I'm sure that he's done an okay job in the past. Although it seems like from the people that I know that are based in Arizona, like uh, Jose Youngs and uh, Sean Alshadi, this guy's got a, a bit of a reputation of not being that great uh, in terms of Arizona. But like, like I said, you have so many good referees that are available that have ton, tons of experience. These guys make mistakes too, don't get me wrong. I mean, we've, how many times have we talked about Herb Dean making mistakes in the cage? It's ha- you know, it happens. But I'd rather have the knowledge that you've got a guy who's week in and week out is doing high-level fights. And I would recommend if you listen to what Big John McCarthy said about it, because if anybody knows refereeing, is Big John on his podcast, where he talked about how important it is to have a certain heart rate if you're a referee going into a fight. Um, and he said that a lot of these guys that are regional referees have an elevated heart rate going into the fights, and, and that, that clouds their decision-making. Yeah, that's the same thing you can say with police officers in, in, in stressful situations. You know, I mean, it, it, I think it's everything. It's the calmness. But, the, but like my point I was trying to make about having like that schooling is like almost like the ultimate fighter, like like the way USADA is even there's a part of the UFC that's USADA that makes sure the, the athletes are clean. They check in with them. They double check. But if you even had like uh, a big Dan, you know, or um, John McCarthy as like a head of the ufc officials and judges it's kind of like you put them into the ultimate fighter shows then you you get them into dana white contenders that's like kinda what they do Joe. you kind of like, review the training ha- is run by john mccarthy and jaron Vallel, and they do courses it's like, every it's single commission year. based you know like it's not like you have the same guy like the commission gets to decide who's on the card right not really the ufc right. but if you had these guys trained and i mean i don't think they're going and reflecting and looking back almost like uh like a salary, right? If you're on a, on a you good have like salary, a UFC you know? referee certification program where you're certified to to referee UFC events. Like they have the apex with this huge TV. Like, hey, like after events, like have monthly meetings where your group of ten referees go through, look at the decisions. How would they come again? Like, there, it's it's a profession, you know. And in a, any profession, you need to continually improve and be invested into the craft. I mean, I think that's not crazy to say. But the problem is the UFC. If something happens that's controversial, people can say, "Oh, the UFC has referees now." So I mean, I think for a promotion, you want to keep your hands clear of that. But I still think the investment is almost creating and and building these guys. Yeah, I mean, but ultimately, if something goes wrong in in a UFC fight, and it's a referee's fault. Like, the UFC can blame the commission all they want, but it still happens in a UFC event that makes their brand and hurts their brand. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, it's like the, uh, I got no problems. It's not me. I'm sorry. I hate it. Like, because Dana White can say, I disagree with this now, right? But he can still do it if he has his own team. I mean, Dana White is very outspoken that way. But I just know. I think it's just the involvement of um, improving it as a profession that's really important where safety is on the line and a lot of money in winner losses happen because of it. So I think that investment by the UFC wouldn't be a, a crazy idea. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think ultimately these commissions need to step up and stop rewarding their guys and giving their, their local guys these assignments. Like yeah, we saw in, start. we saw in Texas, the James Kraut, uh, James Krause and, um, uh, Trevin Giles fight where one judge gave Trevin Giles the first round, which was a clear James Krause round. And then, uh, you know, I, I kind of reference this because I did the investigation on it. So it's always clear in my head, but we, we come to find out that the judge got his black belt from the same guy that gave his black belt to Trevin Giles and, and was in the corner of Trevin Giles. Like there's, and did not disclose that bias. Yeah, like you yeah. can't, you cannot have that in this sport. Like you can't have a judge with a bias sitting there. Like it's, like that and that's because the commission choose their guy who lives in texas and they want to have their texas judge there you don't need to do it 
And it, yeah. it's a bad look for the commission. It's a bad look for the sport because now you've got, it's not a fixed fight, but it's a fight where you've got a guy who can determine the outcome of a fight based on a bias, yeah. based on nepotism. I'm, yeah, well, like, I mean, I got to be closely linked to the, a lot of this because of being so close with Glory Kickboxing, right? We use, like, different ISKA and different ruling. And so, I mean, I got to see the difference between local refereeing and having our consistent guys, like our Paul Nichols, you know, Al was one of our guy. best. Al Wickers, yeah, he's all right. He kind of <laughs> got booted out eventually. Did he? For making some bad calls, yeah. Oh, did he, he really? Uh, I always liked Al Wickers. He I like uh, his command of the cage. Or the, well, he the, was the, the, the one where a Duke Rufus show um, let a fighter go too long. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember yeah. that. Mm-hmm. And he actually uh, he stopped my fight in Japan. I kind of wish he let it go a little earlier, a little longer. Because it was like, count me out, Wickers. And then it would have went to the scorecard with Holtzkin, you know? It would have mm. went to the damn scorecard. Now you gave Holtzkin a TKO against me. But count me out. And then it would have went, the bell would have rang. We would have went to the scorecard. Oh, so he, st- he stepped in front of you and waved his hand? Is that what Yeah, happened? there's like two, three that. seconds. Like, he just stopped it right away. But if he would have started counting, the round would have been done. Ding, ding, ding. And then I would have looked like, yeah, I'm here. Okay. And then I would have had at least a minute if it would have been an extra round. Or it would have went to the scorecard. And at least it would have been a decision, win or loss for me. Or, yeah, you no, know. It wouldn't count as me being finished. It wouldn't finished. count as me yeah. being finished. So, wickers. All right, well, I take that back. He's doing his job. No, he was doing his job. I actually really like him. So (laughs) he's one of the old school refs. But, uh, yeah, I always joke about that. But, no, I really like Wickers. Well, it doesn't sound like it. But either way, we'll move on. (laughs) Yeah, I do. I actually do. I really do like him. All right, the main event of the prelims, uh, Brad Riddell, Drew Dober, an absolute war, fight of the night, and uh, with good reason. That fight was great. And, I mean, Brad Riddell took some stuff in that first round. Yeah, he took some big shots. But... Gave him right back to Dober and his Martin Vittori style head. Holy, Dober took some yeah. big shots and Dober's unfazed. got a big, he's got a mini fridge for a head. Yeah, seriously. Like, I mean, if you measure heads, him and Vittori have the biggest in the UFC for sure. Like his big neck, big and strong. Like, I like Dober. I mean, I thought Dober's power was going to be the big difference here. I thought like once he landed the big shot, it would have been over. But Riddell, geez, man. And and I also heard like going into this when I was playing around with some of my parlays and I was like, Riddell, city kickboxing, good fight strategies, you know, could avoid coming, the big. They're also coming in with a death, like uh, you know, like they had a death in their camp, and yeah. uh, I think it was really that can go either way. Obviously, that can that can negatively impact your mentality going into a fight, or it can give you something to really fight for. And it looked yeah. like the city kickboxing guys really used that. Yeah, I mean it's it's it sucks, but. Uh, I don't know. I'm just happy to see Riddell do well. I don't think this really puts Dober down too much. I mean, yeah, he's probably missing out on a nice top uh, top 10 fight from here. But I don't know. Dober's still, to me, uh, someone I want to keep watching. Yeah, he's always going to be in exciting fights. And he's just such a nice guy also, right? Like, did you see the video of Israel going to talk to him after the fight? No, I haven't seen that one. You should check it out. It's in, I'm sure you can find it on Twitter. But uh, Israel went to Dober's locker room after the fact and was like, "You're a beast, man. Like, you know, you're a really good guy. And you know, thank you for, you know, putting on such a good fight with my friend, with my training partner. Just like all class, right? Like one of those things where you, it's just what you want to see in this sport. Yeah, and I think I, we saw a lot of that with Izzy. I mean, from all those little videos, and I, and and again, seeing it with Glory, he's just friendly around with everybody. I mean, I saw him doing. Um, very motivational talks to Moreno. I sound like just. I think he's a good guy to to have around the fight world. He's so. definitely a guy you want on your side. <laughs> he's yeah. definitely one on your good side. Yeah, he's a, he control you. He'll he'll do you. Mm-hmm. He'll uh, 
Yeah, love you. I hate you. That's yeah. his style. He, you likes, you, with him or he not. likes you until you decide that you want to beat him and win his belt. That's it. Yeah, <laughs> fair. Everybody wants that damn belt. Yeah. So, I mean, with someone like Dober, who's not a threat to him, he's just a 155 pounder, you know, he can go and show some respect. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. Dober comes from that great camp, uh, Team Elevation out in, uh, in Denver. So, there with Elliot Marshall and co. So, you know, it's uh, I like I like that camp, and I think that uh, that was a great fight. Uh, Eric Anders beats Darren Stewart by decision. Good fight. Not that much like the first fight, but uh, Anders started to really pile on at the end of that fight. A lot of wrestling, right? Trying to push him against the cage. But Darren Stewart's just he's dangerous at any time. So, good game planning, good control of distance, pressure. I mean... Uh, Big boys, that's for sure. They're both middleweights before, right? Yeah, I think they decided they both kind of like made a pact that they didn't want to cut weight for this one, and uh, they just went to light heavyweight because, yeah, big I guess boys definitely look big. Yeah, both of these guys should be fighting at light heavyweight, but it seems like they do better at middleweight. Maybe I don't know. They they like to have that advantage. I know that Eric Anders when he fought Elias. I think Elias told me that Anders weighed like two thirty five on fight night, and it was a middleweight fight. Yeah, but that that just shows how. And, I mean, Elias won that fight, too, right? Elias won that fight, yeah. Yeah, you got to think how impressive that is for, you know, Elias himself. Because Anders is just always there and always has a chance and does decent. You know, maybe not a top 10 fighter, but he's very consistent. Yeah, he's, he's like the gatekeeper. Where If you want to get in the rankings, you got to beat Eric Anders. and He's not a tough out. Uh, women's flyweight bout, Lauren Murphy beats Joanne Calderwood by a split decision. Uh, and she's probably going to be next for Valentina Shevchenko. Yeah, I didn't really pay too much close attention to this fight, but uh, from what I'm hearing more of, it, a lot of people thought maybe Joanne won that fight. It was a very close fight. I mean, I, I thought that Lauren won. I gave her the first round, and I gave her the second round. The second round was a borderline 10-8. If it was Pride rules, I mean, Lauren Murphy wins that fight because she dominated that second round. But, uh, yeah, I, I don't think you can call it a robbery either way. I think that there's a case you can make for Joanne Calderwood winning that fight. But uh, either way, uh, I spoke to Lauren Murphy on the TSN MMA show interview edition, which is now out. And, uh, you know, I, I talked to her about, you know, people were saying, oh, Valentina's going to kill her. You know, there's no point of making this fight. What's the point of competing in the UFC in a weight class if, you're, if people are saying you, you shouldn't get a fight because you're not going to... Like, she hasn't lost in three years. She deserves the title fight. It's going to be long odds. I'm sure that Lauren Murphy's aware of that. But Lauren Murphy has been an underdog in, like, almost all of her fights in the UFC and has won almost all of her fights at, at flyweight. She's 6-1 and one as a flyweight and hasn't lost in more than three years. Yeah, I mean, it is what it is, but she deserves it, right? Right. I mean, regardless what it is, if you're going by the rankings and she's put her time in and her effort, she gets it. So, yeah, I'm with you. Mofsar Evloev beats Hakim Dawoodu 29-27 on all three judges' scorecards. Dawoodu came on late, but it wasn't enough. Yeah, uh, I kind of, I, we kind of knew that pressure was going to be there. I thought Hakim would have been, I, I don't know, a little bit better at kind of maybe hitting him and hurting him to make him think twice from coming in so easily. But good timing, good enters. I mean, it, it's a, it was a very tough fight. And like I said, leading up to la- this fight last week, I mean, I didn't really agree with this fight for Hakeem. I think we had a we have a talented kid who's got a, a unique thing with his mean mugging. He's powerful. He's a great striker. I don't think you give him someone like that. I mean, I think yeah. there's so many other fights to kind of uh, build him up a little bit nicer. Yeah, so look, he was he was ranked going into this one, and now he's not ranked anymore. But if you look at this division, let's go from top to bottom. Volkanovski, mostly a striking-based fighter. Good, good grappler as well, but not like an Evloev type relies on grappling to win fights. Holloway, yeah. striker. Ortega has become something of a striker, also a good submission fighter, but not a guy that's going to be trying to take you down the whole fight. Yair Rodriguez, striker. striker. By the way, Yair Rodriguez out of his fight against Max Holloway. That was uh, right, news I didn't that came hear down that. today. Uh, they're going to postpone that fight to a later date. 
Uh, Korean Zombie, mostly a yes. striker. Calvin yep. Cater, striker. Josh Emmett, yep. striker. Striker. Arnold Allen, a little bit of both. Both, Mixes yep. them in. Dan Ige, mostly a striker. Barboza, striker. Giga Jakaze, striker. Striker. Sonic Yusuf, striker. Sure. So why are you taking these fights with guys like Zubaira Tuhugov, who you just beat, and then Movsar Evloev is mostly a, a wrestling-based fighter? Like, I kind of agree with you. I feel like if, if you're Hakim Dawadu, you try to get a fight with somebody who's going to feed into you, what, what you're best at it. And then yeah. win or lose, at least you'll know that you had kind of a, a fair fight. Because Evloev, I think, if you look at how he fights, he might be able to beat all these guys because none of them are great wrestlers. Big time. Yeah, I mean, he can easily climb up. Like, after you made the point of, you know, the top being basically all strikers, I mean, that's his path right to number one. If he can kind of manage the striking, which he shows he can, and avoid the big punches coming in, he showed he can. I mean, out of even those guys, I bet you pound for pound, Hakeem probably hits just as hard as anyone in that top ten, even harder. Like You know, straight power style, you know, so... He controlled it. All right, so, so. Yair Rodriguez is the third-ranked guy in the division. If you had him versus Evloev lined up, Evloev's probably favored in that fight. Yeah, yeah, straight up. Yep, I, I can see that. I mean, his wrestling is the best in the division, probably. Or his grappling as a whole. Yeah, so... Uh... Like, I think right away, him and Giga Chikatse, like, that's a nightmare matchup for Chikatse, you know what I mean? Like, it's like something like, if you want to build Chikatse, why would you give him him, you know what I mean? So, I mean, it just shows maybe that you know, Hakeem wasn't one of those guys they wanted to build up. Or maybe that was the one being like, hey, like, you win this, we'll put you up now. Maybe that was the test for Hakeem. But I just didn't think it was the time to put Hakeem with someone like that. Especially when we haven't really seen Canadians, you know, put themselves at a, on a good position. I think we needed one guy to at least build for us, you know? Right. And now we don't have that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> basically. Yeah, it, it sucks. Like, I mean, I, I, I said it last week. I think Hakeem's the guy to, to right now, one of our best uh, uh, Canadians, you know? How many Canadians are in the rankings now? Like, I'm just curious. I don't think there's any men's Canadians in the rankings. Uh, I would imagine that Tanner Bozer is not, although Tanner Bozer now is going to be fighting OSP. I think it's like next weekend already. Light heavyweight? Oh, heavyweight, heavyweight now, right? Because yeah. OSP goes up. Yeah. And Bozer's what? 0-2, right? His last two, he lost yeah, he's both. Lost, he's lost his last two. Yeah. Let's see any Canadians. No Canadians here. No Canadians here. Yeah, that, I think we have a single his, ranked his Canadian. His buddy Bueller oh, Misha. there. Misha's ranked. So we have Misha Serkinov ranked in the light heavyweight division. And that's it in terms of men. But Misha's coming, what, last two fights he's lost, right? Three maybe? No, no he won one. No, he's one and one and, in his last two. He beat Jimmy Crute. Then he got injured. Yes, that's right. He got to Crute. And then fight, he yeah. lost to Ryan Spann. Yeah. So, yeah, Misha, Misha's still holding it down then. And then in the women's divisions... Yeah, wow. J- Jillian Robertson's no longer rank- ranked, so she's not there. So we had nobody at strawweight, nobody at flyweight, and then nobody at uh... yeah. So there's one ranked Canadian right now. Yeah, yeah, crazy. That's kind of sad. It's, it is very sad. That's what I'm saying. We need at least one that can we can push and and get behind. And I thought literally Hakeem could have been that the one for us. That's rough. So. That's yeah. unfortunate. I just, I just, I just ruined your mood. Sorry, Aaron. Well, I had to like, go you're all down look. now, and now you're all upset. Yeah. Next Dana White chat. I think you need to bring it up. Yeah. I give give some Canadians some favorable matchups. Come on, come on. Yeah. Come on, Dana. Come on, <laughs> do something. You got the the hookups now with Dana White. Bring yeah. it out. H- help us out, Aaron. Come on. And now let's get to our next fight. Panny Kianzad defeats Canadian Alexis Davis by unanimous decision. Oh, here we go. Yeah. No, it sucks. I'm telling you. It's, it's not been a fun thing to watch for Canadians. I want what, – what's – like even like the Laramies and stuff. How come we haven't seen him back since then? I think he got injured before his last fight, like his his last booked fight, and now it's been pushed. So I don't know. I think he's booked 
against somebody. I can't remember who, though. Uh-huh. Um, I've got some trivia for you. Who was the last Canadian to win a fight in the UFC? Do you know the answer to this? The last Canadian to win a fight. A recent. It has to be one of the females. I'll it's give you a hint. It's not a female. It's not. I was going to say one of the female fighters. The last Canadian. Not a female. Okay, not a female, but the last would be Hakeem himself. No, I'll give you a hint though that will make you guess it immediately. Would you like a hint of somebody of, of how you'll guess it immediately? Okay. It's somebody who you've trained with in the past. Uh, Jesse Ronson? No. He had his big knockout. Was the last one? That was a Ronson. while ago, Joe. Come on. That's that's been that's long. That seems like it was like five months ago. No, I've trained with ago. this person, and he's the last connect. Oh, I got it. Yeah, John McDessie. Yeah, John McDessie. John McDessie. That's right. Good old Johnny hanging in there April too. April 10th. Yeah, that's right. John McDessie. <laughs> there you go. That's been more than two I months. I really had to think about that. Yeah. But yeah, the Ronson fight. Yeah, I thought Ronson after that big knockout. And then uh, all that BS that happened with him, but uh, yeah, he's suspended yeah, right now, right? I mean, is isn't that over now? Then I guess it's been over. I thought he went and it all I think became it was like an eighteen-month suspension, a twenty-two-month suspension. So he's not going to be fighting for. He's eligible to fight again next March. Next March. Yeah, his last one was July twenty-sixth, Joe, and that's now Jeez. that's now a no contest. That was I, almost a year ago. Come on. All right, my timeline's a little off, but. Yeah, but I mean, who's won? I mean, I'm trying to really think of a male who's won. It was it was tough. It was really tough. Well, Tanner has won since Jesse has. Because I remember the the two fights that stick with me with Tanner was him losing to Arlovsky, mm-hmm. and now him losing this recent one. I Double can't think team. of any. Yeah. So I can't think of any other Bozer fights where he's winning. So that threw me off. Yeah. Well, Bozer's won. Like, so what did we say? It was July last year. We just said for Ronson. So when, when yeah. was Bozer's last win? Bozer's last win was against Pessoa. It was July 26th. So I think it might have even been this, It was around the same time. Yeah. Crazy. Come on, Canadians. Yeah, Jeez. Let's, go. let's get it together. We need, we'll get Maddie special in there. We'll take control of in that. In fact, Hakeem has won more recently than both those guys. Yeah. Because Hakeem beat uh, Zubaira. When was that? That was September of last year. Well, I hope they give Hakeem someone good now. Like, I don't know. Give him the Burgos fight again. Yeah, give him the Burgos, Burgos fight. Burgos coming off that. a loss. Even That's Bryce Mitchell. Want. I feel like Hakeem versus Bryce Mitchell would be a good fight. Yeah, yeah. I see it. And Bryce I like Mitchell's more Burgos. of a grappler, but even still. Him and Burgos, man. I, I don't even know how. It t- I wouldn't even breathe through that fight. Oh, like, I would yeah, love that fight. Yeah. I would love that fight. That, right. that to me is like, just because I know the guys and I've been following both of them for years, that, that would be like a main event in like the bazooka books, you know? Like, I would make sure like I'm sitting down focused on it and that that's the fight i like last thing i want to uh, touch on terrence mckinney perhaps the greatest short notice debut in ufc history a seven second knockout over matt frivola unbelievable one two yeah and he's getting a lot of a talk one because of him falling and hurting himself after yep. mm-hmm. and uh two his i think call out i've heard it on a few of him just being very vocal and with joe rogan and the way he's talking i think he's uh Got a good personality, and we're, I think a lot of media are talking about him. And three, the fact that he died twice on his way to the hospital once. Oh, okay. Do you know that story? No, I heard Annick say, though, that uh, something that his story is one of the more interesting ones you'll hear. Yeah, so, so he was basically in college. He had a really decorated wrestling career in high school. But in college, he kind of like he was by himself, you know, like he, he, he was out on his own kind of thing. And uh, he went to a party, and somebody gave him, like, some acid and shrooms. 
and Damn. he like just totally tripped out and was seeing demons and the police had to like apprehend him and he was like fighting back and they tased him and he says i'm lucky i was in my underwear because they could see that i didn't have a weapon on me otherwise he might have oh, man right so they basically they tased him they put him in the ambulance and he died twice on the way to the hospital and managed to get revived so you know we now have three cool. people in the ufc that have been legal, have been dead and have come back from the dead can you name the three ufc fighters there might be more but off the top of my head three yeah. ufc fighters that have been legally dead and have come back not legally Jeez, dead but have been pronounced stat, dead that's a stat and come back that only aaron bronstetter would yeah. know can you name them uh, can I name them? I cannot. I, I don't even think I can name one. one. One's fighting this weekend. One's fighting this weekend who's died and come back. Uh, who looks like a crazy guy? I feel like, I don't know, Cheeto Vera looks pretty crazy to me. I don't know. It looks M- like he's Matt been Brown. some crazy. Matt Brown is one. Yeah, I was going to say another crazy man. And, that Court, would be and Matt Court Brown. McGee. Court McGee. Okay. Who's been clean for like 20 years. Damn. Yeah. So yeah once you guys. see those demons, I mean, fighting's easy, I guess. Yeah. That's uh, that's your interesting stat of the day. We got three fighters in the UFC that have have been revived yeah. from death. But I think you've become one of the journalists of in the world who's known for their stats during the UFCs. No, I, I appreciate that. You know, I, you've, I heard I was I uh I do some prep listening while I work out. I listen to a few podcasts on the day of uh, when we film ours, and I was listening to Anik and Florian, and you got a shout out from Anik from one of your tweets. You got to tell me this stuff because I didn't even know. I don't yeah, know it was uh, Anik. Uh, it was the recent Anik. We say she's like, and Aaron Bronstetter, you know, tweeted something, something. something. I forget what the no, tweet well, was, but he on, called Joe. you. Yeah, you gotta write this stuff down. I know. So I don't have I to go listen have. to the show. I gotta go listen to it now. But uh, yeah, he did call you out and said, yeah, and Aaron Bronstetter tweeted out, blah 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 blah. I don't remember what it was. Your tweet. I wanted to. Man, I totally forgot. And it was uh, one of your stats. I guess that was unique. Well, I appreciate shout outs. I'm not going to go back and listen to an entire show to hear it, but uh, no, I'm not, I wish I remember. Vain, but I appreciate you, you, you yeah. letting me know. Well, I get excited for you, you know. I'm excited like, for hey. me too. That's nice. Nice yeah. of John. That's it. I get very excited when I hear the Aaron Bronstetter name drop because I'm associated with now the TSN MMA show and Aaron Bronstetter, so I feel like I got get a little subtle shadow. I got a little bit of the rub. <laughs> there you go. When your tweet goes on the TV, I feel I'm on the TV. Well, Aaron. I feel That's... the same way when I see you uh, in the corner in the UFC, or I see I hear That's Logan it. shout you out. You know, yeah. I uh, I feel like I'm I, I get some of that rub too. So I'm glad that, yeah. that we can Good. we can get some some mutual props. Um, I like it. I I did have one of my interesting stats today that I posted. Would you like to hear it? Let's hear it. This weekend's card, we got uh, Korean Zombie versus Ige as the headliner. Alexei Olenek made his UFC or his, his sorry his professional MMA debut. I think it was in November of 1996. And Casey, Casey O'Neill is on the card, and she was born in October of 97. So Olenek made his Jeez. professional M- MMA debut before another fighter on the card was born. Dang. Yeah. That's insane. I mean, I don't know how these guys do it, but, but Olenek is definitely built differently. And I think he probably has the most experience in the UFC outside oh, yeah. like an Alistair Overeem. Well, Overeem's maybe. been cut, right? So, Yeah, probably like the most 70, experience. This is going to be a 76th fight in MMA. Yeah. Right, I'm sure he did yeah. Sambo and stuff like that too beforehand. Yeah, the Russians get a lot of it. Like, I mean, that record could be have his other sports, but regardless, that's a lot. No, that's of just MMA. That's just MMA. Just MMA. Yeah. Damn. It's a lot of Jeez. MMA. And how? And and the age we said. How old uh, is he? He's turning yeah. 44 in like a week. And that was Damian Maya's age, right? We determined last. Yeah, I think week. Maya's 43, 44. Yeah. There you go. Damn, the boa constrictor. 
doing his thing. Yeah, yes, sir. Always, always. How many submissions of? Uh, give. I'm going to give you an over under, or or why don't you why don't you throw a number at me? How many submissions Alexei Olenek has of his 59 wins? Of his 59 wins, how many of submission? Um, I'm going to go with I think a good 60 percent of that. I think it might be more. Let me. Well, now now you're making me do math here. Yeah, more than 60 percent. More than 60 percent. Damn. 46 so, subs. 46. What are the knockouts? Do we have any knockouts Eight. on that? Eight, Eight knockouts. Five bad. decisions. Five decisions. And only out of one draw. In, that's not bad. In 75 fights, just one draw and no no contests. My, I think the most impressive stat is the five decisions. Yeah. That's insane. The 75 first... fights and only five decisions. You only went yeah. to the decision well, I mean, five he's a heavyweight, times. but yeah. Yeah, but he... still impressive. I think one of my – like when people ask me, what was one of the most impressive stats of my career – I said, well, I have 14 like pretty high-level fights of all of them. I've been to the scorecard twice, I think. That's great. Two. Yeah, there you Two. Go. So to me, I was like, that's a proud moment to say. So to say you've only gone to decision five times, even with the losses, like, damn, you win or lose and fight by the sword, die yeah. by the sword. I like it. Yeah, he's the only fighter, I think the first fighter, and maybe the only fighter to have competed and won in four different decades. So that's, that's pretty impressive. That's yeah, pretty impressive. I would say so. <laughs> I All right, before we, so. before we get to that card, I do want to talk to you about Clarissa Shields and her debut. Did you get a chance to watch it? Um, I, I, I saw the highlights of it, so I didn't really study it, but I know what happened. I saw the, the details of it, but uh, yeah, I mean, it kind of was a good and bad thing, I think, when I, when I look at it. Good because, you know, she got the win, and it's nice to get the attention, but it's like she also got the experience of what MMA is, being on her back, being punched on, ground and pounding. So I think she saw the difference. And um, and being such a successful athlete, I think she's going to learn a lot from it. And hopefully, you know, we see the improvements. But I just think it's too late in her career to ever be such a great grappler, you know? Yeah. I just And the focus isn't there for her. So I don't think like we'll ever see her like the Kayla Harrisons and her able to compete against the highest, highest, like a UFC, even in the UFC division. Could she compete with anyone in the UFC division right now in any of the women's, no, right? I, I mean, compete maybe, but I mean, who's she going to face at 145 pounds? Felicia Spencer, or Norma Dumont, like there's just not a whole lot of selection there yeah. for her. But like, would she be able to even handle like a Felicia Spencer? No, I think Felicia yeah. Spencer just takes her down and holds With her, her kicks to hold her Felicia down. Felicia would probably and, yeah, finish her by sub win. in the first round. Yeah, easy. I mean, so, if, I mean if a three and six fighter was going to take her down and sit and mount for an entire round, I imagine Felicia Spencer would be able to any, take her down yeah. and sub her in seconds, yeah. right? So, I mean, I think it just goes to show how amazing it is that Israel Adesanya is the champion now coming from a boxing and kickboxing background which while it's a great base for MMA in terms of striking it's like you need to you need to learn a lot of skills on how to stuff takedowns go for subs etc and I think Clarissa Shields for only six months training I mean that's still pretty impressive she's able to get in there and do MMA but I mean she was dominated by a fighter who hasn't won a fight in like six years or five yeah. years or something like that right like it, she has a long way to go yeah, but boxing to MMA is so different, it man. Is. I mean, you got to think, okay, kickboxing to MMA. You got kicks, you got knees, you got elbows, you got you understand that little bit of range. But in boxing, one, you don't know how to kick, you don't know how to block kicks, you don't know how to counter kicks, you don't know the range for kicks, you don't know how to clinch, you don't know how to clinch a knee, you've never defended an elbow. How do you defend an elbow? And like, how do you defend a takedown? What's a single leg? What's a double leg? How do you defend off the cage? There's too many variables as a boxer to think. So that's why I'm thinking she'll she'll never get that good, you know, 
to be able to compete with the highest of the level. I think it's fun for her career, but I don't think we'll ever see her in these double world champions. She might be the champion of the PFL maybe one day, but I think that's all we'll really see from her. If I'm if I'm Jackson Wink and I'm doing training, I line up every single girl in the gym and I say, okay, each of you has 20 seconds to take down Clarissa Shields. Yep. If you don't, you have Go. to do sprints, something like that, you know, whatever, yeah. whatever the punishment is in the gym. Yeah. Just line them all up and just say you have – and then d- just do that until Clarissa is good enough to stop these takedowns. Yeah, that's it. Don't even like – I see forget, her trying to striking. kick here and yeah. there. Yeah, like, I mean, really, like why are we going to get her to kick? Her hands are just way too valuable. Just let her punch. Punch and takedown defense. That's it. Limit, limit how much she has to learn and make it simple for her. And, and all I due respect, it's not like the thing. pool of women's fighters that 145 and 155 pounds is that deep, right? Like – she can beat a lot of these a lot of these uh, women as long as she learns how to stuff a takedown, which is not easy, right? Like it's still going to take yeah. a lot of time. Yeah, it's the energy, it's changing the distance, not being as efficient. Like I don't think she was a boxer that bounced and moved too much either, right? Like, yeah. I mean, there's some fighters. If you're a boxer who likes to move and and you know evade and make slip and move, like. You'll have a better time in MMA, but then if you look like a Canelo, Canelo would have a terrible time in MMA, you know, because he's more heavy on his feet, you know, right. like a, it's it's a different style of boxing, the plants and sits and sits in the in, in mid range and head to head. So I mean, it's a different fight. So even the dependent the type of boxer you are will, will help in those cases. Yeah, so uh, I I just think she has a long way to go. I, th- I but I think she showed a lot of heart in that fight. She showed the Olympic spirit of never giving up, not quitting. Yeah. And, and not accepting the fight going to a decision. Like, she knew she had to get a finish, and she did. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I still – what she did was in, in, very impressive. I mean, to just jump in a new sport, being the greatest in your sport. Like, what, imagine she lost and got beat up pretty bad. Like, how terrible would that look, you know? Like, her whole thing and status is, I'm the greatest woman of all time, and then you just get pounded out and lost. So, yeah. I mean, or I think it would have really – yeah, it would have really affected her brand. So I think that it, she's lucky she got out of it. Um, it is what it is, but she's got work to do. And and I know she's jumping between boxing and MMA. And I mean, that's where kind of where we see problems happen. You know, you need full dedication. But I also think she's so good in boxing where she can literally grapple the whole entire time and then just maybe do a week or two of boxing at the end before her fight and still win. So that's probably what she's banking on because I don't ever think she's in problems with boxing fights. You know, I don't think anyone even pushes her to, you know, give her any any heat at all. Well, I mean, one thing that's kind of overlooked coming off of this weekend because so many big things happened is how good Aaron Pico's gotten. I don't know if you watched his fight, but I mean, he looked unbelievable. And the fact that he's only 24 years old, like this guy still has such huge potential. Yeah. And, and what I like is. I mean, he's he's now battle tested. You know, I mean, a lot of times the criticism would have been you gave you're try you they tried to move him very quickly, right? They they gave him the big fights. Yeah, he has the opposite the of what you would normally do. Yeah, but I mean, I think now he's he's ready for the championship run. Now he's felt what it is to go against the big names, to lose, to be defeated improve get better get over the anxiety of losing again so i think now he's battle tested a true mixed martial artist the pressure of losing is gone and all that hype so this is where we get a really really you know scary and dangerous pico and i think he goes right to the title did you watch the bellator card i watched parts of it how angry would, how it. angry were you watching jason jackson versus uh, paul daly because i was like furious watching it i'm like you have Paul Daly, who's 38 years old, 
and he's created his own 175-pound weight class. He wants to fight people 175, and you put him up against the guy who's just going to wrestle him for three rounds. Why yeah. even have Paul Daly under contract? Like, you're wasting my time. You're wasting Paul yeah. Daly's time. You're wasting your audience's time and, and their money. Yeah. Put Big him up time. against yeah. strikers at this point in time. He's 38. He has no aspirations of winning the championship anymore. No. Yeah. Just let him fight strikers. I don't even think he grapples anymore in his training. I don't think he cares to. You know what I mean? Like, Him and Jason Jackson like each other. They're buddies. Like, it's just a waste of time. Big waste of time. Yeah, I I agree with you. It it was a very poorly matched fight. I mean, stylistically, it didn't make sense. In the rankings, the way it is doesn't make sense. Yeah, it didn't make sense at all. I mean, I like Paul Daly because he's a Mike's Gym kickboxer. And, I mean, he even rocks the logo on his shorts. And, I mean, yeah, but... That's the whole thing. We know he's a kickboxer. We know he's got heavy punches. We know he's got good kicks. Put him against the fighter that's going to stand with him. I, I, I get it. Do you want to hear some of the idiotic saying. responses that I got to this? I'm going to pull them up. because they, they, I, was, I was getting even angrier watching people respond to this. Hang on. I'm going to pull I'm going to read some of these to you. All right. All right. My, here's my tweet was booking Paul Daly in a catchweight fight against a wrestling-based fighter is a waste of having Paul Daly on your roster. And I stand, I stand by that. Yeah. Let's see. Here, here's, here's, some, uh, here's some some of these... Uh, Haters? We're calling them haters? Uh, just people that don't know what they're talking about. So haters. We'll call, First I'll off, call Jason Jackson isn't a wrestling-based fighter. He's an all-around mixed martial artist. He just had the, the, fight, the, the fight game plan executed it to perfection instead of getting into a brawl with one of the best brawlers in the sport. Well, I mean, that part is true. It's a fair but point. But Jason Jackson yeah. wrestles everybody. Well, we know what Jason Jackson is at this point. Yeah, but maybe you don't want to put that intelligent striker. That's part of what you don't give Paul Daly is the intelligent striker. Here, Here's, here's one. We're supposed to feed daily cans so everybody can complain about how he's fed cans and doesn't fight top-tier talent? No, don't feed him cans. Feed him striking-based fighters. Yeah, that, that his last, Here's his go, win yeah. streak. He was on a three-fight win streak against Sabah Omasi, former UFC fighter. Syed Awad, one of the Bellator OGs, great striker. Yeah. And Eric Silva, of course, like one of the, one of the at one point one of the top prospects in the sport, striking-based fighter. Too, yeah. Those aren't cans. Those are respectable fighters. That's who, that's who we should be facing. Yeah, and, and if they're in the UFC, not sorry, not the UFC, we're talking Bellator now. If they're in Bellator, you're not a can to begin with. So if you're signed by the organization, you can't be really a can. And but we've seen we've we've seen some crazier things. Like I thought the crazier matchup was when they put Melvin Manhoff, remember? Like yeah. a forty year old five year old Melvin fight. Manhoff against title fight against who was a Corey Musashi, Anderson? I think it was. Oh no, it was well they put him against Corey, Corey Anderson, Anderson on yeah. his debut and I was like yeah. that I was like, explain to me the reasoning behind that. You know? yeah, you're just trying to boost Corey Anderson at that point. Yeah. Like, just, you literally put one outcome in a, to that fight. A 45 year old striker against the guy whose grappling is incredible coming from the UFC. Yeah, you and the guy who Anderson. fought mostly at middleweight, if I'm not mistaken. So he was like yeah. undersized as well. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I know it's hard and matchmaking is not easy, but I think certain guys, you got to be a little bit more strategic. Yeah, but just put him in a fight that people are going to be excited about. Like, Paul Daly's an exciting fighter. I, I, hate, I hate watching a guy take down Paul Daly. Like, it, I don't even think it does anything for Jason Jackson either. Like, no. what, is, what does Jason Jackson gain from doing, from doing that? And Paul Daly's hands, he's annoyed. He's like, yeah. it, it was boring for everyone, you know? I get uh, it. All right, so uh, this weekend, Chan Sung Jung, Korean Zombie, against Dan Ige in the main event, five-round fight. Uh, I like Ige here. I think Ige, this is a good matchup for him. I, I, I haven't been super impressed with the Korean Zombie in some time. Uh, I think he's, he's starting to get a little bit old for the division. How old is he now? He's 34, which isn't super old. But I, I just think that his best days are behind him and that Dan Ige is really on the rise. Yeah, I mean, Dan Ige, I mean, they're, they're putting, in my opinion, a lot of promotion behind him. He's got a, quite a few main event spots. 
I this mean, is it, his second one. This is his second after Cater, right? Yeah. So Cater, then now this one. Who did he fight after Cater? Uh, Gavin Tucker. Remember, he had that. Gavin that, Tucker. Yeah. That's right. Beat him in the and first then round. he lost Easy. to Tucker, right? No, he beat Tucker quickly. Oh, he beat Tucker quickly. Yeah, was that it was the knockout. It wasn't the bad seconds. knockout, was it? Twenty-two it was seconds. A knockout. Yeah. Knockout. Yeah. yeah. And then this now he's fighting Korean Zombie. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You want to hear no, something really cool? So I interviewed Dan yesterday, and I talked about coach Eric Nixick, who kind of comes from a football background and is really strategic in his planning and kind of puts together these, these books for um, his fighters about like where they can exploit the weaknesses of, of their opponents. And he said that Tyson Chartier takes a very similar approach and that yeah. after the fight between Ige and Cater, Chartier gave them the playbook to beat Dan Ige so that Dan Ige could fix the holes in his game. Isn't that that's really cool? I find that's insane. Oh, that's big time. And I know them. Uh, they always go back and forth and they like each other. And both of those guys were even up in contest for yeah, coach, coach of the, of the year, year last year. Those and are the I two mean, names. so yeah. And I mean, uh, let me tell you, like I've been around a lot of managers, and what Tyson does very well is um, basically he's not only your friend. He's a good person, but he invests as a coach and as a manager. So I've been given I've been lucky to be part of some of those game plan documents that they would have given. And Tyson's pre-fight notes, it's like literally a 10 page document of every fight, the game plan. Every coach knows what they have to do. The game plan. Like, I mean, it's intense. I've I've. I've Barely seen anyone create a game plan like that. So I know how uh, prepared those guys are. So I know that document and how valuable that is. So that's uh, that's a big move. Yeah, that's that. I just think that's very huge kind. move. It's great, great to hear stuff like that is going on in the sport. Stuff you never hear about. So kudos to Tyson Chartier and uh, yeah, heck yeah, and, and his team. Uh, is it Ch- it's Chartier, right? Chartier. Uh, Chartier, I say. I don't Chartier? know. I don't know. I don't think I, he really. I don't think he cares. I think he's are you is are we going with the French accent or not? That's the know. that's the key. I'm gonna Chartier. ask him next time I talk to him because Chartier. when I see I E R my 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 remedial French uh, education uh, that's it. teaches me that's how it's pronounced. Um, so the rest of this card you have uh, Alexei Olenek against Sergey Spivak. That's an interesting one. Marlon Vera against Davy Grant, a rematch from five years ago. That's a that's a cool one. Davy Grant has had such success lately. It's been great to see his kind of resurgence. Okay. Uh, sorry, I'm just pulling up my card here. So that's a good one. Uh, Matt Brown against Diego Lima. That's a fun one as well. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's that's that was supposed to happen before, wasn't it? This is they rebooked this fight. I'm pretty maybe. sure. I'm not certain. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. So that I mean, that that's a that's a fantastic fight. Matt what Brown are the actually, odds on that? I need to check the odds on that quickly. Uh, I've got them right here. Uh, actually, I think Matt Brown's a small underdog. I think. I think Diego is here. I've got it right here in front of me. Because both of those guys are nasty. Diego's striker. minus one sixty five. Matt Brown plus one forty five. Okay. Yeah, it seems about Probably right. About where it should be. Yeah. No, I agree with that. Um trying to see any good fights on the prelims. Let's take a look, see. Um nothing really well, Rick Glenn's coming back. When was the last time Rick Glenn fought? Has he oh, fought the last time he fought was against Kevin Aguilar in 2018. Wow, so it's been almost three years since Rick Glenn's fought. I didn't even realize he was on the card until just now. Chaos Williams versus Matthew Semmelsberg. Yeah, I was just going to say, I was like, Chaos Williams. I'm like, he literally went from the most talked about to now non-existent. Well, he in, had that fight with M- Michelle Pereira that he lost by unanimous decision that was pretty close. But yeah, he, he basically had back-to-back knockouts in 30 seconds or less, right? So... Uh, and Assemblesburger's a you know he's he's a good striker as well so that should be a fun one. 
Just, mean, this is one of those cards that this is a hipster card and i kind of like it yeah i was just gonna say it's one of those mid, middle cards you know where it, it gets you excited but uh i think that last card was just so stacked that we almost need a little break from a stacked card yeah and then uh the weekend after you got cyril gone versus volkov twin towers the towers <laughs> colliding and i think uh, i think what, what did i see uh um no, I was thinking Gustafson. I was like, I thought, I thought I saw um, it was Gustafson. I saw training again, and I saw Hazmat uh, Shamayev training. And yeah. I think they were at Syndicate, so it means oh, like they're in maybe, Vegas. Interesting. They're in Vegas, they together in Sweden previously. So I think they came to Vegas because I saw a picture. But hmm. uh, I always, um, if you to ask me quickly, flash two pictures, and you put Gustafson and you put Volkov very fast, I probably would confuse them ten out of ten times. <laughs> well, For some both, reason, both about Volkov, the same height. Height, the hair, yeah. the blondness. Uh, I don't know. They they just uh, I get confused with those two guys all the time. Yeah. So I think I'm pretty sure it was Gustafson because they trained together. But uh, for some reason, my brain told me Volkov. Trying to think if there's anything that we uh, have not touched on as of yet. And I think we're well, I think we're pretty good. Uh, Ray Cooper the third missed weight for tonight's PFL, so he might he might not make it to the playoffs. Yeah, and we have uh, Rory McDonald tonight. Rory McDonald against Clayson Tebow, two yeah. UFC vets. Tebow probably should should take a pretty big beating if, if, <laughs> yeah, if I have yeah, my I mean, money if, on it. If, if things are I'll going how I is. think they're going to go. I'll say it as it is. Uh, Rory's going to put on a beating tonight. Well, yeah. you never know. I mean, I, like I said, I never know, but I picture Rory putting on an absolute clinic. Kiesa uh, versus Vincente Luque booked for UFC 265. That's a great fight. It's a beautiful fight. That's a huge fight for Kiesa. Yeah. Uh, Curtis Blades versus Rosenstreich booked for UFC 266 in September. That's the fight to make. That's a great fight. That's a fantastic one. Yeah, some exciting stuff coming up. Yeah, That's Marlon Moraes sure. against Mirab Dwalashvili booked for 266. That's a good one, yeah, too. Yeah, I actually heard that today, too. Uh, I'm trying to think what else uh, oh, that we've been hearing. Yeah, I think that's about it. I think we're good. I think we can call this one. I think so. I think we got into a lot of uh, a lot of interesting topics all over the place. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we we've gone over an hour. I think we can we can look back next week and uh, recap Korean Zombie versus Ige. You got PFL tonight. No Bellator this week, but uh, I'm sure we'll have a lot to talk about uh, next week, as we always do in this crazy world of mixed martial arts. Uh, again, that's uh, bazookatraining.com, not bazookafitness.com. Yeah. Bazookatraining.com. And uh, bazooka25 is the code if you want to get 25% off uh, online training with Joe. So yeah, check that get out. Get a seven-day trial, too, and uh, check it out. And, uh, of course, rate and review the show five stars wherever you get it. We really appreciate that. And the uh, TSN MMA Show interview edition is available now with uh, interviews with Lauren Murphy, Terrence McKinney, Dan Ige, Matt Brown, Cheeto Vera, Davey Grant, more Jeez. interviews than you can handle. So check that out as well. Uh, thanks to everybody for tuning in, and we'll, uh, we'll talk to you next week. Boom! Thanks for listening to the TSN MMA Show. For all the latest UFC news, visit tsn.ca slash UFC.